Hey, Anthony, it's that time again. To finally go back to a movie theater? Yeah, yeah, wait, no. No, not at all. Then what? It's time to make the podcast. Oh, oh, oh yeah, that thing. Once again, we have reached that time of the week. Time to dive into the movies we love and the movies we wish we could forget. Pitting them against each other to receive praise uh, or hatred. Based on a scale of our choosing. So let's jump into it. This is the Double Feature Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Double Feature Versus. Um, we got a special one today. Uh, we, we're we covering a film that we have been waiting on for a long time. So I guess we got, I guess, I guess we have double the versions Uh more overpowering Zack Snyder slow motions. Um, man, it's here. It's finally here. Uh, Zack Snyder's four-hour um, will it be or won't it be masterpiece Justice League. Um, Brad, you wanted to you, you wanted to hate this film so bad. Man. I did. I well, to put it into context, uh, Man of Steel. I I just did not like. I remember Same. walking out of the movie theater and going, what was that? That was not a Superman movie. Uh, that seemed like I I can get for a good like dark undertone like superhero movie. Like we've watched uh, Super. We've watched uh, what was the we, we've watched a couple with Defendor. like, yeah, we've People watched really a superhero. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, but we've watched a couple with, like, dark undertones, kind of, like, for a hero, superhero comic book movie. Like, Kick-Ass is a great movie, and it's a very dark undertones for that. Mm-hmm. And Man of Steel just didn't work for me. Uh, I watched Batman versus Superman, and it, it it basically just seemed like too much of a jumble of things trying to be in a single movie, that it just was overcrowded, and then... When Justice League came out, it had the same problem where it was basically a Batman movie with everybody else kind of packed into it. So this one, I I went in with the lowest of low expectations. Like, (laughs) literally, this movie could just start off and I'd be like, well, it's already better than I expected. (laughs) Right, right. So, So, yeah. I want you to, since you're more versed in the DC universe than I am, uh, I want you to start off first and give me initial reactions. So what what did you think? So initial reactions with this one is it is much better than the Joss Whedon version that we saw in theaters. The 2017 version, uh, mm-hmm. seeing this version actually makes me want to lower my previous score on the Justice League that we got in theaters. So when we originally saw Justice League in theaters, I gave that one like a six out of ten. Like it was bare minimum scraping. Yeah, yeah, I gave it. Well, I really liked a lot of the scenes with characters and stuff like that. Like I can get behind a good Batman. I love Ben Affleck at Batman. I I thought Ezra Miller as Flash was great casting. Gal Gadot, Jason Momoa. Like the cast was what made that movie. And... It's the cast that I want to see going forward and everything like that. Okay. So it it got good. I I enjoyed the cast of it. I enjoyed some of the scenes with it and everything like that. It it just, 
the story was what kind of held that one back. Uh, the CG wasn't as bad as everybody made it out to be, in my opinion, when it came to the theatrical one. I thought it was fine. You didn't mind the warped mustache, the uh, invisible mustache? Uh, that did bother me. Like it. So for that scene, I remember watching it and uh, just kind of going, it doesn't look right. I don't know why, but it doesn't look right. And the person that I was sitting next to, and we were in a screening for it, uh, also said the same thing. Like, he turned to me and went, what's wrong with Superman's face? And I was just like, I don't know, but you're on to something. <laughs> and it wasn't until later that we found out that they had to, like, re-scrub his face to, like, destroy the mustache. Right. But so, uh, Okay, so, go ahead. So, stuff like that you would notice, but it, it kind of just made you go, I don't understand why that doesn't look right. But CG, apart from that, it just kind of it, it flowed. Um, I wasn't a big fan of Steppenwolf's design and everything like that, but it was fine. Uh, you know, things like that. But it, okay, so cut to today, present day. You saw the 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 much asked for, much um, expected uh, four hour Snyder cut. What's your opinion? I. Uh, this is the version that should have come out 100 percent uh this okay. fixed so when it comes to my problems with the original justice league uh this one came out and it fixed a lot of those problems it kept some of those problems and then it created a couple new problems to me so first off when it came to fixing problems the original justice league 2017 which you didn't watch at all yeah, um, yeah, I'm gonna get into that, but yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I watched it after. So, oh, you did actually sit back and watch it. I, I watched it to compare, but um, yeah, I'll get into it. Okay, so for that one, after watching the Justice League Zack Snyder version, um, I didn't go back and rewatch it, but so I'm just basing this off my memory. But the original Justice League movie it was basically just a Batman movie with some Superman at the end. Uh, Joss Whedon really didn't want to play with any of the other characters at all. Like, all the great scenes with The Flash were cut out. Uh, Cyborg's entire story was cut out entirely. And I got so much to say about those two characters, but go ahead. Go yeah. Ahead. Uh, well, the problem is, before this movie, there was nothing to say about those characters because they had no scenes. Uh, if I had watched Josh Whedon's cut before Snyder cut, I, I would have just thought the Flash was a fool that just made a lot of jokes every three minutes. Yeah, because he he I, like and I like Ezra Miller. I think he's great for comedic effect. But I feel like if you got a character that's just making jokes every three minutes and not really doing anything. Oh, I just run and push people. I, I didn't know I actually have to fight them. I'm like, dude, when is this guy actually going to do something that matters instead of just being the comedic effect? See, I when it came to Justice League, I kind of gave that a pass because he was new to it. Uh, prior to this, his like powers he was kind of using to kind of try and save people, not exactly fight people. So it, I couldn't it, get out of pass, man. It, it, I back get then, out of pass. well, the difference is you've now seen him actually do stuff, so it's harder to give him a pass in that one. But for Justice League, this was the first being. Uh, introduced to him. So this was the first appearance of Aquaman, of Cyborg, and of Flash. So 
we had already gotten Wonder Woman, so we had already seen what Gal Gadot could do. We had already seen Ben Affleck in Batman versus Superman, and we had Henry Cavill already in, you know, uh, Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman. So we already knew that those three characters fit in this universe. We already knew that they were good actors for these characters. Well, I mean, you you could make that excuse, but then what about Aquaman? His film didn't come out until later, and Cyborg was new too. Right, and a lot of people didn't like Jason Momoa's Aquaman in Justice League. It wasn't until Aquaman came out that people started going, "Oh, okay, Aquaman is he's he fits Aquaman. He's a good Aquaman." I can see why. Look, man, um, I'm I'm a cap it off like this. Uh, well, I'm gonna start it off like this. Uh, when I walked into this film, as you know, I didn't, I hadn't seen the original, um, so I was really walking in saying, "Well, well, why not just walk into watching what the director's original vision would be." You know, when I start Kingdom of Heaven, I'm probably going to watch the extended really Scott version because that's mm-hmm. the version he wants me to watch. Um, and, dude, I, I just walked away. I loved it. all, oh, man, I, 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 I was um, I was shocked by how much I really did love this movie. Like all the, you know, everything, dude, like the well, there there is one fault I can, I'm going to mention later. But just the slow motion scenes with the emo musical numbers. <laughs> like like all the Zack Snyderness of it, I, I loved it because it fit. You know, like this was a true Zack Snyder film. It showed what he can do when there's no frills, no studio interference. A, a lot of it's, you know, some of it is indulgent, but it's good indulgence. Like this man, like knows how to craft uh, a full Justice League story. And um, the thing I want to comment on is that. The, the amount of depth he lended to each character's development. Like, I, I could see this as a miniseries. I understand why he didn't end up doing it that way. It kind of would have been, it's better to just have it all in one complete package. But I understand, I see the miniseries aspect of it. Like, he, he builds you up with these characters, giving each of them correct character development, spending more time on Cyborg, spending more time on Flash, and how their st- their stories are parallel to each other. You know, giving Superman time to kind of rediscover who he is, um, you know, how he spent time with each of these characters leading up to that big battle. I said, yeah, this is a Justice League movie. Mm-hmm. And this, in my opinion, this might be the best D- DCEU movie. It. Well, are you talking just Zack Snyder's movies or overall? So if we're I, I, I'm talking so if we're. Are we bringing in Nolan's films too? Uh, no, I'm thinking like the. Are we gonna count like Shazam, Aquaman? Uh, I'm trying to think. Harley Quinn. Okay, so here's the thing. I haven't seen Shazam yet. It's on the list, but if we're calling all those, yeah, I say this is number one, dude. Okay, it, it's definitely high up there for me. I think Shazam. I had a lot more fun watching that movie. But that was supposed to be a more fun movie than that. This was supposed to be like kind of a more darker, everything's gloomy kind of movie. Shazam was a very, hey, we live in a dark world, but you know, clowns. Uh, Dude, yeah. Dude, man, I just, listen, man. And here's here's one thing that pissed me off with comparisons. When you see the battle with Steppenwolf, and Steppenwolf looks way better in Zack Snyder's cut. And I love how Steppenwolf is interacting with, um, Who's Darkseid's uh, main dude? Was it was his name? Oh, uh, the dude in the shroud, right? Yeah, the um, dude in the shroud. I can't remember what his name is, uh, but he's like one of kind of 
I guess the apostles of Darkseid. Yeah. All right. Well, we we'll just uh, until we get his name, we'll leave it at that. But I liked I liked his um I liked how he entered in. He was in conversation with him, and he was in conversation with Darkseid. I liked the whole designs with Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf looked way more. He looked like an actual character, more than a villain, an actual character. Yeah. In the weeding cut, he just looks like a, a typical villain. Um, dude, the battle with the Amazonians, um, where they, where he's getting the first um, the first mother box, like the re- the way I, the reason I love that way, the way Snyder cut that battle is because it looked like the Amazonians had a fighting chance. Yeah. It was a drawn out battle. It was an intense, like like brilliantly directed battle. Whereas in the weeding cut, it made them look weak. Yeah, like they, they had no chance. They definitely came off as a lot stronger in the Zack Snyder version because the scene is elongated. So right. the scene really doesn't change much. It just is longer in the Zack Snyder version than the Joss Whedon one, but it does have a little bit more impact of like, oh, he can be defeated. There's actually hope of this guy actually not being like a god. He is, you know, he can bleed, so to right. speak. Like, um, and again, dude, right before that, the Wonder Woman uh, uh, versus uh, robber scene. That scene, I feel the way it works is because this is the Diana we should have saw at Wonder Woman 1984. She was literally throwing guys like they were frisbees. Yeah, like she was. She was handing their asses to them. Um, and you know, you got the junkie XL music score in slow motion as she's dodging all the machine gun bullets as she's walking across the people. Whereas in the Josh Whedon cut, you know, it's it is short and it makes Diana look basic, you know. Um, but I think the thing with Snyder is he makes you he makes the violence seem intense and real. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like the way he, I think what he said in the interview once was that, you know, these are gods fighting mortals. You know, you can't really play it soft with that. Um, yeah. And I like how it's implied that she literally blew the guy away. The main guy, the main perpetrator. But I'm oh, like, that's with the bracers and everything, yeah. yeah. I'm like, that's how it should be. I mean, this guy looked vicious. Zack Snyder made him look more vicious. Josh Whedon's cut made him look like a regular robber that was just, um, that was just evil, just to be evil. Like I like Zack Snyder's drawn out cut. I think it's like a one shot where he's where the robber is walking into the bank and grabbing everybody, and it it, it feels like a very, it feels like a moment of real danger. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I like how Snyder raises the stakes, man. Um, yeah, dude, it was that and the tragedy of Cyborg, like, yeah, the fact that Cyborg had no content in the original Justice League, watching the, like, Zack Snyder version of it and what they originally had planned for it, uh, Cyborg is one of my favorite characters. I absolutely love Cyborg. First off, he's from Detroit, uh, he's half human half machine uh a lot of his like storylines have to depend on him like fighting his uh robot side of his body because he can only have so much of a limit when he's mechanical you know right. uh in trying to fight like which side of him is the real him is it like the machine or is it the human and a lot of his storylines are very complex in that and i love him as a character and when they first announced he was going to be in this, I was just so pumped. And then they announced a movie for him, and I was like, oh, my God, this is great. 
And, right. you know, of course, we're not going to see that movie anytime soon, probably. Uh, I, I really hope we do, because that's like the one movie that I was so hyped for in all the DC. Like, they were like, we got a Batman movie coming up. And I was like, that's cool. We got a Flash movie coming up. Yeah, I'll watch that. We got a Cyborg movie coming up. Oh, yeah, I'm day one. If we if we see it, Ray Fisher, unfortunately, might not be in the lead. Yeah, that that's the sad thing. Uh, yeah. But... I, it's understandable given the circumstances, and I'm still waiting to see what everything comes out of that. Dude, if you want to say, if you say this film like lacks anything, one like two things it doesn't lack out of out of a lot of other things is death, and um, you no, know, you gotta have patience to get to the final round of the battle. But um, to me, this didn't feel like four hours. It really felt like two and a half because I was so into the story. Um, but I like to say the chapter of uh, beloved mother, beloved son, where you see where both the Flash and Cyborg's uh, stories parallel with each other. You know, these are two characters who have lost their mothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, one man um, lost his most of his human life next, like right alongside his mother. One man has his father framed for the mother of his for the murder of his mother. But, dude, that slow motion scene where you see Cyborg running across the football field the flashback when he's in human form. Yeah. Like that, that's such a, I don't know how to describe it. I think it's the music score, which is genius. I think it's, it's an inspiring, but it's a somber scene. Like it lets you know, like this is a great moment for cyborg. He's about to get the touchdown. You're, we're, we're reflecting on how much of a good guy he is helping his friend pass his grades with, you know, with quotes because they couldn't pass because of all the personal stuff they were going through. But you know, something bad's about, about to happen because how did he get from this to half man half machine you know like it that's such a great scene to me and you you run a parallel to in the end where you where the flash has his big moment where he literally runs across earth um we winding time to put power back in the sideboard to put power into the mother box to you know defeat steppenwolf mm-hmm. like the, like i like the parallel you can draw between t- these two characters who you know lost somebody but also gained their purpose you see them gaining their purpose in this film in the epilogue when cyborg puts the tape recorder all back together like that's an emotional moment dude like i really enjoyed that oh yeah yeah cyborg definitely gets a lot more character in this movie absolutely and that's probably one of the best parts of the snyder cut is actually getting more cyborg and getting actually more story around him and everything because he is one of the more complex characters in the dc expanded universe that's been introduced so far uh because he does have to fight himself he he hates who he's become and everything like that and Mm -hmm. he's lost the most supportive figure in his life his mom at the same time he became who he is now so he literally his entire world went from like the best day of his life to the worst moment or the worst like possible future he could ever see himself in and right. the entire time he blamed his father for it because right. now, go on yeah no i was gonna say that's the best thing like his father who has guilt and you know this thing even happened in the weed and cut you know sacrifices himself to, to help them, you know, defeat Steppenwolf, to track the mother box and defeat him. And in the end, like like I said, when the tape recorder comes all together, you have that closure between Cyborg and his father. Yeah. Yeah, and you can tell yeah. that, you know, his father is doing the best he can and everything like that. But, yeah, it just, it 
to Cyborg, it's it's done. You know, his father basically ruined his life. Uh, it turned him into a monster, and he doesn't even see himself anymore when he looks in the mirror. And that's a huge thing is when he's like discovering his powers and like what he's able to actually do. And he finally realizes he can actually do good with this. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he might look like a monster, but he can actually do good. And, you know, the scene with, uh, what was it? The waitress with the son, with the bank account and everything like that. Like that's, that's pure cyborg right there. And just, you know, what he does there. And I love that scene. Absolutely. Did he know those people or he just randomly just helped them? He just randomly helped them. Okay. You know, yeah, he, he saw people in need, uh, people that didn't deserve the circumstances they were put in. And it works as a parallel to where he is as well. Because he doesn't believe that he deserves to be in the position he's in. And he's seen these other people in that same position. But the difference is he has the power to help those people, so he does so. And it, it just... I, I love that scene because it just works so well in showing like what kind of person he is at heart. And then he turns around and you see people like look at him and start, you know, backing away and moving in fear. Right, right. And it's just, yeah. it's beautiful because you get to see both sides of him. The side that everybody sees him has and the side that he really is. Yeah. Um, dude, here's another reason why I gave this film all the love. This film pulled off what was, what I thought was impossible. Uh, it justified Man of Steel's existence to me. Really? Like it, it, it really did, man. Like, let me um, let me back up. You know, as a character, I never really felt much for Superman. I always felt like Superman was like the perfect hero, which means there, which means there was no real, real room for death with him. I feel like, you know, to put it bluntly, he's a he's a straight white male with godlike abilities. He can he can do no wrong. He's perfect. You know what I mean? But I felt like, you know, okay, well, where, where's the death to this guy? Um, when I first saw Man of Steel, I kind of had your same thoughts. I'm like, well, that was kind of a dark Superman movie. But I mean, again, why why should we care? You know, because we know Superman's a do gooder. We mm-hmm. know there's no there's no real darkness to him. He's Superman. Um, dude, um, that scene after the big little battle where Superman kind of loses himself when he's first resurrected and uh, Lois Lane takes him to the farm. That scene where she's trying to get him to remember who he is. You know, he embraces his mom when he's on an alien ship and he's walking and you're, hear- you're hearing both of his fathers, the biological father and the adoptive father talking in each ear, telling them, like, look, man, this is your destiny. You are a hero. You're destined to be great. That justified Man of Steel's existence for me, because when I watch the extended cut of Batman versus Superman, you know, I, I my thoughts of Superman was challenged even further because, you know, it had themes of, you know, uh, false idols, you know, idol worship and, you know, people who have, you know, deity like abilities working independent of any government or institution and the problems that can cause. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like Batman versus Superman had a lot of great ideas to it. And I was like, OK, now I'm starting to see Superman, the man. Well, he's an alien, but the human in him saying, like, look, man, maybe I don't want to be a hero. Maybe I don't want to use my God like ab- abilities. I just want to be Clark Kent. Like that kind of that moment right there, he kind of came to terms with his suit that he is Superman. 
hey, listen, man, I do have a job to do as a hero. This is who I am. Man of Steel is still just an okay movie, but it justified its existence for me with that scene. Am I making sense? Okay. I, I see what you're saying. Um, like all all the melodramaticness of Man of Steel made sense in that moment to me. I'm like, okay, that's why this is the moment. This is why this film, why that film exists. Yeah, I can I can agree that that moment definitely does kind of put a little bit more into Superman as a character. Uh, I I don't see the purpose of Man of Steel still though. Yeah, you know, I, I, I still I think you could completely cut that movie from existence and nothing would be lost when it comes to like the series as a whole. I just look at it in the same way as we look at George Lucas uh, prequel films to Star Wars. Um, Revenge of the Sith is cool, but you know when you look at Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, this is really just showing Anakin turning into Darth Vader. You know, this is yeah. just showing how things got dark. We don't really need those movies, but their 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 um their existence is justified. Uh, when you take into what is it the Clone War series into account, uh, you mm-hmm. could totally take out those two movies, and they no longer are needed. Uh, there's so much more development in the, that series than there is in those two movies to show how Anakin turned. It, you it makes about a lot. The Genity, more. You talking about the Genity Tartovsky series, or are you talking about both of them? Um, well, the Jedi Tartowski series is absolutely beautiful, and I highly suggest any everyone watch it. But I'm talking about the 3D animated one. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could watch any DC animated film, and you don't need Man of Steel. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, same there. But uh, I just feel like that scene alone kind of justified its existence. Um, here's the one. Here's the one fault I have with this film. Um, like I said, I, I don't mind the slow motion scenes. I didn't even mind the long drawn out scene where the Flash saved his, I guess that's going to be his love interest. In yeah, another, that was going to be, uh, who was it? Um, I'm trying to remember her name, but I'm completely blanking on it right now. I know the actress name. Oh man, I used to know her name. But um, when he saves his love interest, I don't mind yeah. all that. But I feel like the one, it, I feel like the only weak link in Justice League is Aquaman, and uh, and I feel like that because you know Aquaman and his it's just like you said Aquaman and his purpose and his death. We didn't really dig deep into it until we saw Aquaman the movie, mm-hmm. and we understood like okay, this is a guy who he comes, he's he's of the sea and he's of the world, and he kind of doesn't want to deal with either. Yeah, like, he doesn't okay, belong we, in either world. Right, like we like like we we, we get it now in Justice League. Uh, I feel like he compared to the death that was given to a lot of the other characters. I feel like he was like kind of like the lightest one. Like like um, his purpose was just. It was meh, you know, mm-hmm. um, not saying he wasn't a good addition, um, but um, what I'm trying to say is, like, I like his slow motion scene where, you know, he's walking out on the pier after saving the guy and this Creed Nickelback song comes on. And oh, yeah. All, all the water splashing on him. And, you know, I feel like that scene's cool. But the whole scenes with him and William Defoe and Amber Heard, where they're like, hey, you're the daughter of you're the son of such and such you need to own your destiny that came off a little too heavy-handed and i'm like yeah we don't really as an audience i don't think we really cared you know if we had not saw aquaman before 
we we really wouldn't have cared. But we had saw Aquaman, so I'm like, yeah, this is kind of just rehashing old stuff with him. Right. Yeah, those scenes kind of just went by and kind of were forced in there. Um, yeah, even with this cut, I strongly believe they could have easily cut about like 45 minutes from this and th- there wouldn't be too much lost. Uh, mm. Because it's scenes like that where it's just like ham-fisting the entirety of a plot of another movie right into this movie. And there's a couple moments I think they could have, you know, done without and everything like that. But it it definitely does not suffer from having the elongated period of time. Uh, The fact that you get more time with these characters and everything actually makes them feel more realistic. And one thing that the Zack Snyder version does is the character interactions are more realistic in this one seeing the characters talk with each other and seeing how they you know converse with each other how their personalities clash a little bit but they understand each other it's it's great like the scene with them in the bat cave where cyborg's kind of off to the side talking to himself and you know you Mm -hmm. find out he's talking to the ship that you know and uh aquaman kind of just goes your buddy there okay and Flash just kind of turns around, turns back, and just goes, "Yeah, yeah, that's just he, he's doing fine. <laughs> he's going through a hard time." Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, you know, another thing I was about to say, you know, you you say character interactions. Um, you you know, I I I, I agree with that. Uh, uh, man, what was I about to say? Again, this is a film where. The storyline is it has credit to three people: it's Zack Snyder, Chris Terrio, and another person. But Chris Terrio is listed as the sole screenwriter. Again, when you have when you have another screenwriter behind the scenes and not Zack writing it, he can do no wrong. Yeah, he is a great director. Yeah, he is just you know because uh, I've gone through some of the interviews that he's done and everything like that where he's like told his plan ultimately for like the three justice league movies he wanted to do and you know i i go okay there's a couple good ideas in there but thank god you weren't the head screenwriter because those other ideas (laughs) are horrible (laughs) and please never let those hit a movie theater Listen, man, this is I, I feel like he used every cent that was given to him to really make this film like he he used all of his all the money Warner Brothers threw at him. He used it to the T and did not waste a penny. Yeah. Um, and he did this pro bono, too. Apparently, he didn't get paid for this. He wanted to do the uh, Snyder cut free. Yeah, I could believe uh, it because this was kind of his, you know, magnum opus of DC. Yeah. You know, he's not going to get another chance. This was this was it. Yeah. Um, uh, anything else we got to touch on? Uh, it, let, let's just... So, when it comes to the Joss Whedon version, uh, one thing is clear. Joss Whedon wanted to play with Batman. He wanted to play with Superman. And this is the one thing that I think Joss did right but wrong at the same time was Superman. The opening scene? Not the opening scene. Uh, well, I guess that's a part of it because the Superman and Joss Whedon's version felt more like Superman that we expect from the comics. Uh, the kind of more lovable, you know, very friendly person. 
And we see that in the end fight scene where he has like his dialogue that's just more, you know, uh, it feels more Superman from the comics when Dude, it comes. That... Oh, go ahead. Go. I I can't remember what the scene is exactly because it's been I haven't seen the movie since twenty seventeen. Um. Yeah, I can't I can't exactly tell you what he said. He came down and uh he he uh he pushed Steppenwolf I think off Diana or something. Uh, he was fighting somebody, and then Superman came down and said, "Not impressed." Uh, that felt like a Josh Whedon line to me. Like, oh yeah, there's a difference between the DC universe and the the DCEU universe and the MCU universe. With the Avengers, lines like that work because Marvel films are a little bit more upbeat. You know, DC is a little bit more dark. The stakes are kind of like more raised and it's taken seriously. There's still room for jokes, but. I just felt like that was a Superman that was taken out of a Marvel CU, taken out of an MCU film. Yeah, it definitely, it felt more like the Superman we're used to in the comics, but it didn't really fit in the world or in the setting that everything was going on in. But right. it was a welcome addition at the time because it's like, this is this is the Superman I expect to see, you know? So getting to see him, it was like, okay, yeah, this is this is enjoyable. I like this. Uh, but with the Zack Snyder version, this is definitely the Superman that deserved to be here because this is the one that fits in the setting and everything like that. Uh, him coming with just the black suit instead of wearing the full colorful outfit. Uh, that was him, awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I'm trying to remember the Joss Whedon version, like even the Flash during that scene really didn't do anything. His entire idea was getting people out of the city. And I like that in Zack Snyder's version, the city's already completely, you know, uh, void of life, you know. So there's um, no people in danger. They're able to go, like, full-on out with a battle on this scene. Yeah, there's that. And, um, oh, man, we got a lot of we got a lot of room to cover. Um, but um, I, I wanted to say, with the with the Whedon version, that opening scene where it's the, um, the kids recording Superman on their cell phone, like, hey, we're doing this for our uh, YouTube page. He's like, oh, okay, sure, kids. Uh, where they ask him the question, like, so what is it that you love about humans on Earth? And then he pauses, and then the credits start. I'm like, okay, that's an interesting starting off point, because we're going to mm -hmm. show what Superman loves about Earth, why he feels connected to us, and how as an alien, he's shown, he's that we bring human emotion out of him. Like, where you have a general Zod, and again, this is where I justify Man of Steel. Zod is basically, I don't have morality. My mm. main existence is to preserve Krypton, or wherever he's from. Um, and, you know, of course, you know, Superman is anti that. Like, no, you can have emotion. You can have, you know, your human emotion. So, of course, I thought the film would kind of delve into that, and I mean, it did, but it was like it was a rushed, edited film. Um, dude, I, I got to say, after watching Zack Snyder's version and then watching the original for the first time, the original was straight trash to me, man. Yeah. It felt like garbage. Yeah, Like I said, I originally gave it like a 6 out of 10. It moved down to a 4 out of 10 after watching Zack Snyder's version. Uh, yeah, that's it, where I put it. It, it, it lost points. Uh which is a rare circumstance for a movie to just lose points randomly in the future. <laughs> <laughs> no, you'll be surprised. There were films that were great at the time when they came out, but when you look at them later on, you go, oof, wow. But you can still like appreciate for like when they came out and everything like that. With this one, 
it's like even when it came out it's still a four out of ten because i know what it could have been mm-hmm. you know we, we don't really get that with many films but at the same time we don't get an opportunity like the Zack snyder cut of justice league many times like i remember when people were like oh this movie is terrible Zack snyder's vision would have been better and i was just going <laughs> no it wouldn't no no you're just delusional <laughs> Like I said, man, you wanted to hate this movie so bad. I did. I I walked into this movie with such low expectations that, you know, that I I had no hope that this movie was going to be good. Uh I didn't have any hope that this movie was going to even be decent. <laughs> you you texted me the day before like Okay, one more day until four hours of why am I even doing this? Yes. <laughs> and I told you, I said, I don't know, man. I'm uh, I'm a little optimistic, dude. I just watched the extended cut of Batman vs. Superman. I'm uh, I'm kind of geeked. He's like, yeah, that movie has its parts. This movie's going to suck, man. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah, even like, uh, I can honestly say, like, right before I started watching it, it came up with, like, the screen of the, this movie is presented in four by three to, uh you know preserve the, preserve director's, the vision. director's vision i was just like <sighs> am i really doing this uh, that's what i meant to ask you what did you mind i didn't mind the aspect um it didn't distract anything for me uh what, what did you what did you feel about that because i felt like that was more of a decision to have it in imax um in time yeah it's it, it was strange i'm gonna say that uh i wouldn't say that it really bothered me but it was strange watching a movie in that kind of formatting on a projector because uh, I, I have a 16 by 10 projector screen mm-hmm. and to see a movie in four by three on that projector screen, you, you just have like, I can see the whites of the sides of my projector screen right, right. on the sides of the movie and it just didn't, you know. Uh, for people watching it on a TV, I'm sure it looked a little bit better. Uh, but it was, you know, it was certain scenes were a little distracting. Like when it was a brighter scene, it was a little distracting that it was in four by three because of that. But I wouldn't say that that ruined the movie for me or made me go, oh, this movie is terrible. Um, even though I was literally walking into this movie just going, oh, God, this is how it's going to start. Really? This is. Oh, okay. <laughs> you go going. <laughs> just doing the ultimate face palm like man I, I might have to tell anthony i'm not watching this man i just yeah. can't i can't do it can i call in sick to a podcast i don't know if i can do this man dude i um uh i want to say before we get into the um before we get into the uh the the, the epilogue scenes we can't call them the end credit scenes because they really came before the end credits but um I love the little exchange between um, the Flash and his father, where he says, "I got my foot in the door. I got a job. That's that's a real saying, right?" He says, yeah. "Yes, son, it is. Here's my son. Um, this I is a real job, paying." <laughs> I told him nothing. He knows or some some dumb thing he said that was yeah. funny. Yeah, the the Flash is a, a highlight of this movie. His scenes, um, like even the scene with the dogs and everything like that you know where it all of a sudden just everything explodes around her and the woman turns and he's just sitting there in the pen with the dogs and goes you know you got to keep an extra hot dog in your pocket because you never know what's going to happen and you know you got to keep dogs calm at all times so when can i start so when can i yeah listen 
I liked him in this film because every line that, that was out of his mouth wasn't a but um dump, you know, uh, but yeah. it's kind of punchline. You know, this film kind of treated him seriously. He he still could be funny because he's a funny guy, but that final moment in the end where he saves everybody and kind of rewinds time, like I like that. You know what I mean? I it gave him purpose. Yeah, we also got to see a lot more of his powers in this one because yeah. in the Joss Whedon version, we just got to see him run. He was fast and he was able to grab people, go. He was, you know, he didn't really throw any punches or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, but we got to wood. see his speed. And yeah, he was... go on. No, I, I was going to say in the Whedon cut, he was a wuss. He was a little bit of a wuss. Yeah. I mean, in this one, he definitely does more. Uh, he still doesn't really throw too many punches in this one, uh, mm-hmm. but we get to actually see him do more, especially with his powers and kind of how uh, he says, when I run really fast, time starts to get weird, you know, or weird things start to happen to time around me. And we get to see that with uh, when he's activating the mother box, and Cyborg actually gets a vision of the future because of, you know, the Flash's powers kind of activating for time. And, you know, Cyborg, who is very like, we got to do this, uh, at the very end is like, no. And uh, we got to stop. Yeah, we can't do this. We got to stop. And Flash takes that as him saying, go, and starts. And... Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Um, dude, I like to help Ben Affleck. He was bas- he was basically a jazz musician in this film, dude. He played it so cool how Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne should play it when yes. you're trying to like bring a team together. In the first one, he had so many awkward moments and so many moments for like Marvel type of humor where Superman says, "Hey man, thanks for resurrecting me, even though I know you don't like me. I don't not like you." I'm like, that's not something Batman would say. You know, he probably mm-hmm. would say, don't mention it and then move on. You know what I mean? Like he he plays it cool, you know, the yeah. way Batman should be played. Yeah, he definitely plays a better Batman in this one than he did in the Joss Whedon version. And I think that was one of the things that I didn't really care for in the Joss Whedon version, even when it came out, is Batman's cracking too many jokes. Yeah, that's, that's not stuff, Batman. That's not Batman. Uh, in like the comics and the shows and everything else that B- Batman is in. Uh, when he cracks a joke, it's like a surprising moment because that's not how he is. He's a very serious, he's a very down-to-earth, he doesn't like talking to people, he just, he gets the job done kind of person. Right. Uh, like, even the scene where, you know, uh, he's talking to Flash and, you know, what's your superpower? I'm rich. You know, like, that even kind of doesn't feel like Batman. I feel like Bruce Wayne would say that. Bruce would say that. Like, even the line he says to Superman, like, uh, he's like, dude, how did you get the house back? I uh, bought the bank. You know, like, like that, that seems like a, yeah. a thing Bruce Wayne would See, say. That one fits because that's just a very, like, uh, straight to the point, you know, answer of, right. how'd you get the house back? I bought the bank. You know, that owned it. Simple. Uh, what I more mean, do you want? <laughs> well, hey, what's your superpower? Uh, you know, I'm rich. Yeah. I mean, you know. Um, yeah, I, I get you. Tomato, tomato. Uh, dude, the Martian Manhunter twist, that that uh, that kind of shocked me. See, that one, that's something that uh, Zack Snyder, prior to getting the Zack Snyder cut and everything like that, when he was like kind of starting to lay out his like plans for the future, uh, when he got kicked off of Justice League, 
uh, that was one of the things that he talked about is like how that character he was really pushing to become Martian Manhunter uh, that was introduced in Man of Steel and Batman versus right, Superman. Right. Uh, but that scene originally was filmed for uh, Green Lantern. So that was one of the scenes that was originally filmed for like an end credit scene for Justice League that was going to introduce the Green Lantern Corps. And WB, when it came to this version of uh, the Snyder Cut, told him that he's not allowed to use Green Lantern because they have future plans with him still, that they want to do their own way. So he pretty much uh, went with Martian Manhunter because he still wanted to use that scene. But, you know, he couldn't use it in the original way. And he was like, it doesn't change anything. But at the same time, this also gives me a way to introduce Martian Manhunter into, you know, this series of movies. So they wanted that character instead of to be instead of being Martian Manhunter, they wanted him to be I mean, he wanted him to be Green Lantern instead. Yeah, the plan back in like 2016, 2017, when they were making it or when that scene was actually filmed was that was going to be the Green Lantern. That was going to be uh, Kilwog and somebody else coming to him. Which we see Kilwog dead in uh, Cyborg's vision of the future. Uh, he's the Green Lantern that's kind of like sprawled out with a hole in his chest. Uh, that that's Kilwog. Um, yeah, with the flashback. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a the flash forward. That was like the nightmare vision. I thought it was um because Cyborg was telling a story, right? We saw the first Green Lantern when they were talking about when they first destroyed Steppenwolf. No, that was the story that. Uh, uh, Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot's character was saying, "Oh, right, right, right." Uh, right. that about like the three tribes coming together: the the men, the gods, and uh, the Amazonians. Okay. And uh, yeah, that was a thing where you see the ring fly off, but in Cyborg's vision, you also see Kilwag dead. Uh, okay. because that's when you see Diane Prince. Uh like on with the coins over her eyes dead right, uh right. you see who is it dark side throw the trident through aquaman uh mm-hmm. killing him and i want to say oh and that's the scene with dark side putting his shoulder his hand on superman's shoulder and then you see superman's eyes glow red that was during right. that scene where, like, Cyborg was seeing into the future for a minute due to the Flash's kind of, like, messing with time due to his speed. I got you. I got you. I got you. Um, so the idea was that uh, end credit scene was going to be Kilwog and another Green Lantern coming to uh, Bruce and saying, you know, we've noticed that uh, you're being, you know, th- this planet is starting to get uh, visitors now. And you guys are in danger. If you need help, you know, here's how you can reach us kind of thing. And it was kind of leading into we'd get uh, Jon Stewart, I think, as the next Green Lantern as a protector of Earth. Daily Show Jon Stewart? No, Jon Stewart is the name of one of the uh, Green Lanterns. Oh, oh, okay. So uh, Ryan Reynolds was Hal Jordan. Uh, One of them is Jon Stewart. Uh I'm trying to remember what the other ones were that were like major, but those are the two that most people know. Which one is the one that Phil Lamar voices on the Justice League cartoon? Uh that one that one's John Stewart. Okay. 
Yeah, I um okay. Yeah, so uh I I onto these end credit scenes. Um so they kept the one scene with uh Lex Luthor, he escapes Arkham Asylum and he meets uh Deathstroke who has a bone to pick with Bruce Wayne. Um I think that scene is okay. I, I think it, it plays a little bit better in the Zack Snyder version where it yeah. was supposed to be more of a lead in into the Batman than it was into a future Justice League movie. Right. Because uh, in Justice, Joss Whedon's version, if I recall correctly, it's uh, let's form a league of our own. And then in the Zack Snyder version, it was. Uh, I know his I real know, name is yeah. Bruce Wayne. Yeah, you oh, should... I didn't know that was the different dialogue. I th- I thought it was the same exact scene. No, it was different dialogue, because uh, okay. that was leading up to like a dark uh, Justice League kind of, or not dark Justice League. What is the Legion of Doom kind of thing with uh, Lex Luthor and Deathstroke? Okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. Um, but in the Zack I... Snyder version, it's just a lead into the Batman movie with him going. You know, I got some information. Uh, his name is Bruce Wayne. You know, right. and then Deathstroke kind of going, "Oh, we do have reason to celebrate." Then, yeah, I feel like that's better. Um, what do you think of the? Uh, what did you think of the alternate universe uh, slash nightmare scene? The nightmare scene, I kind of like the aesthetic of it. I think it'd yeah. be interesting to watch a movie like that. Uh, I absolutely hated Jared Leto's Joker still. Uh, See, I didn't... I felt like that... Go ahead, I'm going to let you finish. Yeah, his... Just his mannerisms, his way of talking, his laugh just still... It doesn't sound like Joker. It just sounds like, you know, a chain smoker trying to breathe through a straw. And it just does not sound like a Joker kind of, you know... uh, I've got control of the situation laugh, which is what Joker's laugh always is, is, you know, I'm controlling the situation and it it never feels that way. Like the dialogue, like it written on a script, it wasn't bad. Uh, The reach around comment didn't really sounds like something like Joker would ever say, but uh, besides that, the dialogue wasn't bad. It just, the way he performed (laughs) it, didn't work <laughs> as a joker i i feel like that's what an inappropriate joker would say who's gonna get you a reach around yeah <laughs> look uh, uh yeah that was a little awkward but um uh i i like the interaction between jared leto's joker and ben affleck's batman and where um i think this is the first time we ever see them talk face to face because it's yeah. it's implied because i want to get this clear it's implied that uh batman had a because, you know, this Bruce Wayne's a little older, you know, like it, it's implied that Batman had kind of like trained a young Robin, adopted him and then Joker killed him. Right. Yes. Yeah. Because okay, we in right. Batman versus Superman, we see the Robin outfit and everything. And it has like all the scrawlings from Joker on it. Right. Implying Joker's that you bat. And if I recall correctly, uh, in that movie, even it's mentioned how he's coming out of retirement as Batman. Because he kind of, you know, already put away the cowl and he was like, I'm done with that life. And then everything from Man of Steel happened. He was like, okay, clearly I need to come back and solve this. Yeah. Um, I like the I like the interactions from them and I like um, how Batman, he keeps going. I got, he says, um, I got a short fuse. 
I'm warning you not to blow it. Then Joker says something smart again. He says, I'm telling you one more time, don't blow my fumes. <laughs> Joker <laughs> says another smart thing. And then he kind of like really like dismantles Batman saying like, dude, everyone that ends up with you, everyone that's close to you ends up dead. You're not connected some dots here. And then Batman came, comes out with this badass threat like, when this is all over, I'm literally going to kill you. There's no I'm going to send you back to the asylum. I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to kill you slow. And, like, um, I just thought that was just a great, intense scene. Yeah. Yeah, there's... And uh, I, I love the look of the Flash's costume in that scene. Uh, same with Cyborg's kind of little bit of a look where he's carrying like the machine gun box in like his third arm and he has like the machine gun over his shoulder and everything uh yeah, yeah. It, it looks a little bit like war machine from mcu but i still love the aesthetic of it i thought it looked kind of cool as like this is what an apocalyptic cyborg would have gone to is doing something like this yeah, um, and then you know after that we got the Martian Manhunter scene uh, where he uh, you know speaks to uh, you know Bruce Wayne saying hey you know uh, I'm here to help uh, I've been watching a long time and I feel like I should step up you know I felt that was that was cool yeah you know um, dude I'm gonna just say straight up uh, four point five out of five for me the only yeah. the only the only thing that keeps it from five is the whole Aquaman thing. I kind of felt like he was kind of like light in terms of his purpose, but yeah, that's, that's it for me. Yeah. This one's definitely a four out of five for me. I, I, this one's definitely up there as one of the better superhero movies. Um, it surprised me a whole lot. Uh, cause yeah, but like been said before, I went into this with negative expectations, so it uh, it ended up surprising me a lot. I was very happy with the fact that we got this movie. I would have loved to be there when you when the HBO Max thing comes up saying this is in four three to preserve the director's vision and Brad just going, oh, God. yeah, that, it's exactly what happened. It's just I just was like, oh, okay, well, how long is it? Four minutes, four hours and two minutes. Oh, should I grab a beer now or? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um. Now this now this sounds very indulgent. They say there's gonna be a black and white version of this. I I feel like that worked with Mad Max Fury Road. I don't know if I want to see this in black and white. Yeah. Do you? No, not at all. I wouldn't. You know, they're even talking about doing like IMAX showings of this. I I see it. I don't know if I'd go to that. Uh. Because this is like a four-hour movie. They're going to have breaks in it because they're right, going right. to do it with the parts. They're going to probably do like a 10-minute break in between each part for the intermission. And it, at the end, that's going to be five hours in a theater. Uh, well, I don't know if it'll be each part. You know, I, I think maybe maybe in between part three and four and then, you know, go time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But... I, I, I'd see it in IMAX. I would. But yeah, when when all said and done, that'd still be probably four and a half, four hours, 50, 40 minutes, counting like previews and everything of just sitting mm-hmm. in a theater. That doesn't, you know, I love going to the movies and everything like that, but being at a movie theater for almost five hours uh, doesn't sound appealing to me. <laughs> right. You know, 
So I don't know if I would see it in an IMAX showing uh, just because of its length. Uh, if this came out in theaters before at like three hours, I think that would have done well. But mm. yeah, I don't see it. Uh, I, I'm glad that this came out on like HBO Max instead of in theaters because I don't think this would have succeeded in theaters at all. I really think, yeah, I really think this is everything the DCEU this is everything I wanted the DCEU to be like, this is everything I wanted a Zack Snyder film to be in, in the DC universe, you know? Um, yeah, man, I, uh, I loved it, man. Yeah. It it was definitely a very good movie. Uh, I, I'm not gonna race to go watch it again (laughs) cause it is just a lengthy movie, but at the same time I could see myself in a couple years, you know, sitting down and doing a, you know, a marathon of like the DC movies when we have a couple more out and I would definitely include this one into it instead of the Joss Whedon 2017 version. I'll cop the Blu-ray uh, when it comes out. I'll get the Blu-ray. Yep. Yeah. I'll probably pick up that 4k Blu-ray uh, even though it's in four by three. <laughs> right. Um, okay, folks. Well, thank you for listening. Um, the day came, uh, you know, Brad kind of ate his words a little bit. And uh, everything is all right with the world. For now. See on, <laughs> right, for now. See you on the next one.